Another week, another Wednesday, another episode. Back with the Crescent Sports Report. I'm Troy Schrader. We got the rest of the same crew as last time. Cole. Hello. Evan. Hey, hey. Austin. How's it going? We're back. Episode two. Um, I know last time we talked a lot about uh, World Baseball Classic, college basketball. Uh, well, the NCAA tournament's through its worst week, through its first weekend. Uh, World Baseball Classic is now over as of yesterday. Um, more football moves are happening, but we got a lot of time. Going to focus mainly on the first two. So, Austin, you watched the game yesterday? I actually did not know, but I heard it was a great game. I was working on a group project, so I also was not able to watch it. I watched the first inning and a half, so or two innings. My apologies. I did see Trey Turner go deep, so that was pretty sweet. Um, he was just going absolutely ballistic, kind of unreal to see because it's like as a Dodgers fan – you know, he's just a stud in the regular season for us the past two years. Playoffs come around, sucks. Then moments gets big in the uh, in the Classic, and he just keeps going deep. I think he hit five bombs throughout the entire tournament, which is unreal because they played, I think, seven games. And he batted over 300, two hits yesterday. He just hit the shit out of the ball. But congrats to Japan, you know. Uh, Shohei went crazy. Got that last strikeout on Mike Trout. That pitch was absolutely filthy like my goodness that was one of those like i could watch that on loops if you saw that pitch sequence he went with three 100 mile per hour fastballs Mm -hmm. and then immediately just tossed mike trout up with a slider like it was beautiful in both the first two fastballs that mike trout swung through center cut right down the middle next pitch or the last pitch slider starts right down the middle breaks low and out mike swings right through it i think the stat i've got it on my phone hold on Let's take a look. I believe I screenshotted it. Yes. Mike Trout has swung and missed three times in the same plate appearance, only 24 times. He has had 6,174 MLB plate appearances, and Shohei Otani just did that to him yesterday to win the championship. And to think that the Angels are going to be mediocre for another year. Like, yes. I think quietly they had a fantastic offseason. Like, I won't lie. I mean – they're, don't get me wrong, they're not by any means like, a, oh my god, the Angels are going to win it this year. Like They made all the right moves. But Patrick Sandoval is good. He had a, he had a great World, Cl- World Baseball Classic as well. He's named the all-classic team. Uh, Reed Detmers is someone that got rolling towards the end of the year last year. Um, he signed Tyler Anderson, all-star with the Dodgers last year. It was kind of like a delayed breakout, so I mean, I don't know if he's going to maintain that same level of success. But I think that that was a very good signing. They added some depth pieces. Um, you got Gio Urshela, got Brandon Drury, who, again, delayed breakout. I mean, I'm not sure how much stock you put in those guys, but I think they're still starter-level, like, good players. I don't know if they're Drury and Al- and Tyler Anderson are just going to keep being all-stars. But, I mean, Rendon's back. Hopefully he can go back to being his Washington national self, but everything he showed in the Angels, I don't see it happening. Uh, Hunter Renfro, good signing. Taylor Ward, solid. I think they've got – an extra two to three pieces in the lineup, at least this year, maybe some extra bullpen guys that I think should be solid. But And no disrespect to any of the players you mentioned, but as you're reading off that list of who they signed, it sounds like they're going to have a great start, like 25 and 10. You're going to be mm-hmm. like, oh, the Angels are going to be different. They're finally going to make the playoffs, and then they're just going to fall off the cliff like they do every single year. And you'll be like, why did I expect anything different? Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean – I feel like normally the Angels add one guy, and it's like, wow, that one guy should do something for him. Like, last year didn't address the lineup whatsoever, signed Noah Syndergaard. You're like, wow, Noah Syndergaard was good. He just been he- hasn't been healthy in a while. Maybe he'll be good. And 
he can be big for their rotation. If they trade him at the deadline, team falls off an absolute cliff. Like this is a I think the Angels are we playing their absolute asses off because they know that this is a make or break year. And if they don't at least make the playoffs, Shohei Otani is for sure gone. Yeah. And honestly, wouldn't mind him leaving. As a Dodgers fan, I know a lot of uh, speculation about him just going across town. I'd love to see it, especially since we lost a lot of our players this year. Didn't replace him with a, a huge uh, star like we always seem to seem to do. The fans seem to just expect, like, okay, which players the Dodgers get in this offseason? And we only added a few, like David Peralta, traded for Miguel Rojas, signed Cindergard, just a few like veteran deals, nothing insane. But I'm hoping that it's a save-up-money deal. For Shohei. Not not to crush your dreams or anything, but uh, you know who Shohei's best friend was the whole World Baseball Classic? I'm just saying, Lars Newtbar gonna bring Shohei to STL. Let's just we can book it. I would, I that would be crazy. Don't oh my gosh, I people back home would go absolutely wild. And the Cardinals, like don't get me wrong, not really a huge Cardinals fan. St. Louis has the best fans in the sports. Yeah. Like, that would – I think that is a huge draw. Like, Shohei's looking like, okay, where can I go to a team that's good because the Cardinals are always going to compete. feels like every year they have a roster that should not be that good, and they way overperform. And then you add a superstar like Shohei to the mix, and then you also have the best fans in baseball and an ownership that's willing to spend. I think that that is oh, a – Oh, whoa, whoa. Willing to – I was going to say, I don't think – they're not uh, – Not like willing to spend, willing spend. Like, uh, like that, but, like, they're willing to do what it takes to get Shohei, I think. I think anyone is. See, I, I agree with you there, but I don't – like, Shohei's going to get paid. Don't get me wrong. Mm. And I just don't think the Cardinals will be willing to spend that much. Like, you say willing to spend, and I somewhat agree with you, mm. but not Shohei-level money. That's fair. Yeah. That's well, fair can idea. they get him there because it's, a, like, a super franchise? Like – can they get them there because they've had a lot of success in the past? They've got a great organization. They've got great fans. I think show that kind of stuff. Would he maybe take a little less to go win? Whereas if he stays in L.A., you got the massive market of L.A. He's going to get mm-hmm. paid insane. Or he could go to New York, which mm-hmm. obviously New York's good too, but maybe he decides to go to maybe one of those smaller market teams but gets great success and kind of does like a Giannis thing. I mean, the only thing that I can hope for, and listening to a, a podcast earlier today, um, they mentioned it. The Angels are coming to St. Louis because, you know, the new schedule, you're playing every team now. Mm-hmm. So the Angels are coming to St. Louis. Hopefully Shohei isn't hurt. Knock on wood, do whatever, cross your fingers. That would be a great opportunity for, like, Lars Newtbar to show him around St. Louis and be like, here's what you could have. That is kind of the only hope that I think the Cardinals have of maybe signing Shohei. Other than that, I'm not really confident and that will get them yeah i i think that the cardinals will throw their hat in the ring and be like you know what hey guy like show the fans be like hey we're pursuing these all-stars and these mega star players that you want us to but i think shohei has shown how important winning is to him so i i think it's definitely possible that he takes a pay cut in order to go to a winning team like don't get me wrong he could go to a fantastic team already and make way more money but i think that shohei is more concerned about fit i, I think he knows he's going to make plenty of money in his in his career that it's not, like, number one on his priority list. And that's kind of just circling back to what we started this about in the World Baseball Classic. That is his first, I think, experience of a playoff experience and that winning yeah. experience, obviously winning the championship last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. That means a lot to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and he's he's made good money with the Angels, and uh, he's already – and he told him like, it's not even about the money. He told him like, if we don't start winning, I am gone. Mm-hmm. So I, he's a very competitive player, and he knows that – but as a two-way player, I mean, you impact the game a lot, obviously, because you're doing what no one else does, but it also opens you up to 
more injuries because sometimes training staffs don't know how to handle you considering that you are a unicorn on the field. But I think Shohei knows that sometimes his there's a chance that his um, prime window is not as large as some other people. I would love to see him play for 20 years and be insane, but he wants to win now, and I can't say I blame him. But speaking of Lars Newtbar, did you see how much of like a megastar he's become before the World Baseball Classic? He had, I think it was March 1st, he had 65,000 Instagram followers, and since the Classic has been done, he now has like 655,000. Yeah, that's what I was going to pull up when you n- mentioned him. Like, he is a legend, and yeah, I'm... I'm not shocked because he has that personality that was like, oh, yeah, he, he could definitely be known worldwide. He got the name, too. Yeah, Newt Bar, yeah. Just waiting on that candy bar. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. But, no, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, it's – I – I, I it, like, baffled me because it feels like baseball players just do not really get the, uh, like, the amount of recognition, I guess, they get. Like, they um, deserve – social media-wise. Because, I mean, you got some players, like, in the NBA and the NFL to get a ton of followers, and it feels like you've got – Guys, they're just huge in baseball, and they have like twenty thousand Instagram followers. Because like no one cares. But this is also something that talks about uh, World Baseball Classic. I guess more about like recognition. But I know a lot of people weren't fans of the classic, especially Edwin Diaz getting hurt. It just a lot of people came on social media being like, "This is why they shouldn't play this. This is why these all stars shouldn't complain. These types of events. It just opens up injuries and all that stuff." But the thing is like. You can get hurt in spring training, too, so I don't get what they're talking about. Do they want no spring training, too, then? I, I don't know. And the thing like, is, Bra- Brandon Nimmo even came out and said about it, like, I would rather play my spring training because it's not me. It's not about me getting hurt. I'm still just getting ready for the season. And then Brandon Nimmo has to get carted off the field, sliding into second base. Like, obviously, prayers up. Hopefully, he does well this season if, if he's able to make a comeback. But he was the one that made the point, and then he was the one that got hurt in spring training when he was talking about the stakes being low, and it's just about getting ready in preparation. Yeah, but to be fair, though, like – he said it's where he, like playing spring training is more about getting ready for the season, but technically aren't you still getting ready for the season by playing in the World Baseball Classic because exactly. you're still playing baseball. And like people said, like this, there's some 21-year-old pitcher from Japan. That oh, everyone, Sasaki? Yeah, they're saying he's the best pitcher in the world, like easily. So if you're playing against him, that's better than anyone in the MLB. That's getting you more prepared, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I know that these players are all about their – uh, like they have a bunch of different routines. Like everybody's different. Some people are superstitious. Some guys are just like, let me just swing and I'm good. But I don't see how you being on the fifth field in buttfuck Arizona and you're hitting off of some single A pitcher compared to when you're hitting off of Shohei Otani in front of thousands of people. I don't know how you playing in spring training gets you more ready for the season yeah. than it would playing in the World Baseball Classic. And Plus, in those spring training games, I guarantee since they're trying to get so many people, like, at-bats and, like, tr- like ready to, you're probably well, – if you're a superstar player like that, you're probably getting pulled in the fourth or fifth inning. You're not actually playing a full game. In the, in the WBC, your star players are playing the entire game until you need, like, a substitute very, very late. Yeah, I know that at first Mark DeRosa was really trying to get everyone preparation like it was spring training, but then Mookie Betts told him, like, Manage just like it's the World Series. We're playing to win. You play the best players, which to an extent I agree because obviously all those players are there to win. You want to bring it home for your country. But then you have some of those guys that are on the bench that kind of make them think like Bobby Wood Jr. got like three plate appearances in the entire thing. Like what makes him be like, I'm going to come back in five years after he got no playing time year before. Like he is seeing no live at bats in games. He's just seeing batting practice and like pitching machine. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But, you know, 
we talked about this last week too about mm-hmm. the whole pitching thing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know if we ran into this because I know Shohei closed last night. I don't know if we ran into this because I didn't watch the game. But like having those star relievers be available for those games, but they can't because they pitched the night before against you know Mexico or Cuba. Like, you need your best players for an event. And as we can like as we know like. This meant a lot to, like, all the players. Like, mm-hmm. even though, like, most of the star players like Garrett Cole and people like him are yeah. not playing, this meant a lot to the players that were in. Yep. So, like, having those restrictions, especially, you know, we talked about the pitchers last week, like, you want your best players available even if they're throwing two days in a row or something like that. Do you know, does the MLB, or I guess does Baseball Hall of Fame, is that include international stuff like the NBA's, or is it MLB Hall of Fame only like how the NFL's is? I believe it is the MLB. Okay, because I was going to say, a lot of those guys, even if you don't play, obviously I guess this isn't the case, but get one of those international kind of ring things, like it's just like in the Olympics for basketball. Like you could be a kind of average NBA player, but if you played on the Olympic teams and got a bunch of rings, that plays into the part of getting in the Hall of Fame, and to some degree, maybe obviously since it doesn't go into the MLB Hall of Fame kind of thing, but in terms of your recognition and your greatness of a player, if maybe you're kind of just uh, just another MLB guy, even if you're really good in the MLB, you could even be an All Star, but somebody that might get forgotten, you go to one of these MLB thing or one of these World Baseball Classics and do what Trey Turner's doing, he's gonna be a legend forever. Like, yeah, yeah. that Venezuela game, I watched that one, and I hate baseball, but that was awesome. Yeah. Like, I would totally watch that. Him hitting that grand slam was unreal. Like, it was, oh, my God. Like, I don't even I don't even know how to describe it. Like, he hit it. The place just erupts. All the players are out of the dugout. They're damn near mobbing it at home plate, and it's the eighth inning. Yeah. I think that grand slam alone should make him our president. Yeah. <laughs> just elect hey, him now. Hey, he yes. does, it's not DNA. It's USA. All right? <laughs> can, we, can we just real quick talk about what Evan just said? He hates baseball. But that game made him want to watch. Exactly. What has the World Baseball Classic done to people like Evan who, you know, don't care for baseball, but they're sitting in, tuning into this game, and you're growing the game internationally and even, like, domestically. Like, you're having people who don't care now tuning in, like, oh, what's going to happen? That is incredible. Yeah, and before, even internationally, too, like you talked about that a little bit, Austin, um, I, I saw a stat. It was before this classic, the most watched baseball game of all time was in the 1980 World Series. I think it had like 50-some-odd million people tuned in. I don't know if it's at the same time or just total viewers. The two of Japan's games, it was Japan's game against Korea and Japan's game against Mexico, both eclipsed that number. So two games in this classic alone broke the record for most viewers. And then Fox Sports posted about, this is something else, Fox Sports posted about Houston winning the World Series back in 2022. They, this was a screenshot from recently. It had 8,920 likes on Twitter. And don't get me wrong, like, it's the Astros, so not a lot of people were really happy to see them win. An hour after Fox Sports, the same account, posted, Japan has done it. 2023 World Baseball Classic Champions, 158,000.7 thousand likes, 54.3K retweets, 3.8 million views. An hour after posting it. That is insane. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how many people tuned in last night. Like, I don't know if those numbers are out yet. I tried to do a little bit of research, but I don't think anything's out yet. I'll be, like, curious to see how many people watched. I was talking about it in class the other day with one of my teachers, and I was like, you know, I, I, it's broken the record for most watched game twice this tournament a, a game has, and I wouldn't be surprised if this just went and shattered it again. Yeah. Like, it's just like they just keep setting the bar higher and higher, and honestly – 
as an American, like, you want to see USA win it. I think it was better that Japan won. Absolutely. Because now you have these other these other nations that are like, you know what? Like, Japan just did it. They had Shohei and they had Lars Nupar. It's like the rest of these guys aren't really even playing the MLB. Don't get me wrong. They have studs because they have a fantastic league over in Japan. Mm-hmm. But these other teams are like, USA can be beat. They're vulnerable. All these other nations are going to start recruiting their players. You've got foreign guys in the MLB thinking, maybe I should play for, play for my team the next time they have it. And you have USA guys like, well, we lost it last year. We got to get the best squad possible to take our crown back. Like, I feel like USA not winning just makes everyone else more hungry because it just shows it's possible for USA to lose. And now that USA's lost, they're kind of maybe a little embarrassed. They're just like, you know what? We got to get it back. Absolutely. Uh, just kind of going off of that and, like, the viewers, like, at least for me personally and Troy, Cole, I don't, and Evan, I know you don't really like baseball, but Troy and Cole, like – I'm excited for the MLB regular season to start. And we can, like, segue to start talking about the MLB. But, like, I'm excited now. Yeah. Like, nothing that spring training can do, like, ever in the month of March can replicate what the World Baseball Classic has done for me to get ready to watch MLB. Absolutely not. Because it's like opening day comes and it's like, wow, I'm excited. But it's almost like you feel like you haven't watched high-level baseball in a while. So it's like you're coming in just kind of like, oh, you know, like it, it feels like it's – I don't know. It feels like when you're surprised when it happens, on especially on opening day. Like you see the team's best players, but people are on pitch counts. People are still warming up. But you so you watch those spring trainings. People try to get ready, and it's just like it's nothing. Like I said earlier, you see those you, those guys from Single A on the fifth field in Arizona, and they're not even going to crack the forty man roster. They're just out there getting ready for the season. But then you watch high level baseball, and almost like gets your blood pump. You're like, hell yeah, I want more baseball. It's kind of like the end of the season when you watch playoffs in any sport, where it's like. Playoffs keep getting better and better. You get close games. You get the championship. It gets done, and that's when you want more sports. It's like the season ends. You're like, fuck. Now I have to wait six months for the offseason, and now I have to wait for the season to start, and all I can just do is just keep up with players changing teams. As somebody who does not or has not watched baseball, I will watch the World Series, and I'll say I'm a Cardinals fan. I root for the Cardinals, but I'm not a Cardinals fan. Um and I would maybe watch a couple of their playoff games prior to the World Series. But like you just said, the this World Baseball Classic thing, because it mattered, like I'm I'm a sucker for competition, right? So it's, it doesn't really matter what sport it is. If you give me competition and make it important, then it has meaning to me. Whereas I could, like sitting and watching a random game during the summer, I could never sit through it. If you put on like even like soccer, most soccer games like MLS, any of that kind of stuff, I can't watch it doesn't have any meaning to me you put the world cup on yeah. i will watch every minute of the world cup you put on like cornhole if you put on like the acl cornhole championships i will sit and watch that and enjoy it because there's competition and it means something and there's matter like the i watched a cornhole thing it was like usa versus the world or something that was one of my favorite things to watch on tv because it just ma- it had meaning to it i will probably watch some baseball games during the regular season this year because it like now that they did this and it matters it, I felt the competition, whereas I've never really felt the competition outside of the playoffs, World Series. Maybe I'll only watch like the Saturday night or the Sunday nights when they have the kind of the prime time matchups and stuff. But I would say I'm excited for the MLB baseball season, despite not actually knowing it started until today. The, the so. biggest, the biggest challenge that I think is going to come up because of the World Baseball Classic is how can the MLB itself keep this momentum going, like. 162 games is a really long season. Like you said, it's going to be tough, you know, June, July, you're in the middle of the season. No one's, unless you're a passionate fan, you're not going to sit down and watch three hours, even though you have the pitch clock and things are speeding up. 
you're not going to sit down and watch the whole game. So how can the MLB kind of continue this momentum? That is a great question. I think that just in terms of getting people to just sit down and watch games, I think that the pace of play rules that they put in this year are a solid start. Um, I think it's really just making sure that people are competing early in the season because obviously 162 games is a haul. That is a big, long season, nothing like it in professional sports. You might have leagues that have seasons the same duration, but you are not playing that many games. Like it might last six months, but you're playing 17 games like the NFL. You're not playing a game every day of the week. But I I think that managers – are very cautious with their players early in the season. They don't want anyone to get hurt, which makes sense. But I think that also is part of the reason that it sucks. It's like opening day starts, and it feels like people just after opening day don't care because it's like when it's opening day, it's your first time to see it. Everyone's like, this is the first look we get at them. And then after that, it's like, okay, why do I want to go and sit and watch the third game of the season? It's raining. It's 45 degrees. I mean, this is just like for getting in the stadium. Who wants to watch it? Like, okay, it's shitty out. It's raining. It's the second game of the year. We've got like – it's we don't have our ace out there. He's gonna throw four innings. I'm gonna see a bunch of bullpen guys. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the lineups aren't super like they don't change super early because the wear and tear is not really on these star players yet. But say you get you're into like April, like you're mid April. These starters are still being their pitch count up. You're starting to see fatigue. You've got a rest day from a starter. You've got like four backups in. Your fifth starter in the rotation comes up. He throws five innings. You have a bullpen game. Who wants to watch those last six in those last four or five innings? if it's not a competitive game. I fully agree. I mean, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. That, that's probably a great explanation because it, it, it gets kind of co- predictable. You're right. You have your ace, your first and second games of the you know week or whatever, and then you're just like, okay, yeah. we got, I don't want to say a no-name, but you got a okay starter, and then he goes five, and then you, you, know, you have to go through your bullpen. So you're right. Yeah, I I saw this on Twitter today, and I kind of wanted to open it up, see what you guys thought. But people said that the less, like the least amount of games possible in a regular season is the best because you see the MLB playing 162. Getting people to tune in for those 162 is a difficult job. You see the NBA playing 82. 82 is kind of long. You see some games in like a Tuesday night where you get Pistons Hornets. Who gives a shit? You got the NFL. Don't get me wrong. You talk about like you see a game where it's like. Texans Saints, like not a good game to watch, but you're going to watch it because every game matters in the NFL. Mm -hmm. 17 games, you play once a week, it kind of like you get your fix in. You're like after four or five days, you're like, damn, I haven't watched football in a few days. I kind of want to watch this. And then it's one of those like you lose this game, like that sets you off. You lose a game on a Tuesday in July in baseball, who cares? No one gives a shit. Like you can make up that easy. But it's the shorter the games are, I fully agree that it just matters more. But I, you can't make every – to everyone too short like what do you what do you guys think yeah i mean that that was my point you just like for mlb nba and even nhl you can't make it shorter than it probably is because like then i feel like you're just losing the impact if that makes sense mm-hmm. i can't really describe what that impact is to be honest but you know i i just i feel like it's losing that kind of I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is, but I just feel like it loses that. Evan, you were shaking your head. Like the tradition of it? Yeah. Yeah, so I get that. Um, but every sports league has to evolve, especially if they want to stay relevant. Like right now, the like in the past 10 years, the NBA has jumped tremendously. Like, like Basically, once you had that 
like the Heatles and then the Warriors runs and then all that kind of stuff, the LeBron 2016, all that kind of stuff, the NBA hit a massive interest thing. Whereas then you had the KD Warriors where everybody's like, okay, well, why watch this? This makes no sense. And then kind of going on from there. I mean, last year was a really good season. The bubble was weird, so I don't really count the bubble. That's just irrelevant almost. But the NBA is going to struggle now because now they don't have necessarily these storylines. Like they got a lot of young players, and they're going to build up hopefully and get back to where they kind of were. But I feel like their interest is probably going to start falling off. And I get that there's that whole tradition thing. Like, they've always played 82 games, but they're in trouble with all the load management because they're going to start losing people going to any of their games other than the big primetime ones. But even then, maybe not, because on a Friday night game that's supposed to be the biggest night of the game on ESPN during the 8 o'clock hour, you might have Lakers-Warriors, and you won't see LeBron, you won't see AD, you won't see Steph, you won't see Clay, you won't see Draymond, you won't see Wiggins, you won't see D'Lo. And it's again, why why watch this? It's the same thing baseball's doing. So I actually I I know that you want to keep the integrity of the game and kind of keeping the tradition of those long seasons, but if you cut the games down, and that's the thing, you can just stagger the nights. So maybe like everybody has one favorite team, but they have another team they really like, and they have another team that's super interesting. So if you just stagger the games, you could cut it down by even a third. I think the NBA should cut down to about a sixty game season. MLB since I don't watch baseball, my opinion probably doesn't matter, but I feel like you could probably cut it almost in half because they play, what, almost every single day? So you just play every other day. And so on those off days, you just the people that are making these schedules, you try and pair it up so that maybe the smaller market teams, the teams that aren't as good, that aren't necessarily big draws, you put those on one day so that the real fans will watch their games those days, and then maybe you put one or two big market games, and then the next day you have a lot more games. So you can kind of stagger that in terms of viewership. NFL, of course, has it perfect because you play once a week, but they've timed their games out perfectly. You've got – you start basically on a Thursday. Week's almost over. You're ready to go. You've been missing some football. You watch on Thursday. Friday's a weekend day. Great. Saturday's a weekend day. Great. Sunday, Sunday's football day. Then you got the Monday game after your first day back at work. Nobody wants to live on Mondays, but then you get football, right? So they've got it perfectly – so I feel like if these other sports can maybe, I mean, even college basketball, what, they play 30-something games a year, every game still will matter towards the end. And so that's the thing. If you make every game matter, you're going to boost your viewership. And, like, when I look at NBA and MLB at least, the stadiums are, like, never filled. Like, they fill them up once every, every once in a while. But, like, especially, like, midday games for MLB, there's, like, a couple hundred people there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like there's no way opening up the stadium and playing this game. And, like, it can't even be fun for the players. Like, there's yeah. nobody there to watch you. You're just playing a pickup game. Like, spring training gets more people to come watch than some of these middle-of-the-season games. So, why – like, I just – I don't – I understand why they don't want to cut the weeks down or cut the games down. But I don't really see that much of a disadvantage, especially when you got guys that need rest, obviously – MLB, you got pitchers that kind of need certain amounts of weird days off or how many pitches they throw, that kind of stuff. You're going to throw all of your best pitchers more, which is really going to hurt the lower-level guys because then they don't get a chance, right, because there's not enough games for them to get any playing time because you can play all the best players. But in terms of, like, having to necessarily rest them, they're going to be playing all the time. Same thing at MEA, there's no more load management because you can play every game, you can take more days off, you can recover better, your product improves because everybody's ready to go. So I, I don't – like, for me, baseball's always been way too long because yeah. there's just 
no, the games don't matter. You only have to win, win a certain amount, and then the rest are just, eh, we can take a night off, and eh, we don't need to play our best guys. Nobody wants to go see that, right? Yeah. Would you consider, and I'll open this up to everyone, kind of like a mid-season tournament? You, you effectively cut down like the season like you want. Like Let's just say MLB, 100 games. However, in the months of July and August, even though it's hot, or even like June, July, August, you have this mid-season tournament where things like something does matter to the players. And that way, as we've seen with the World Baseball Classic, that tournament means something. You'll get the viewers back. You'll get them ready for the latter half of the season, the playoff push. Everything will kind of just work together. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I, th- I think I would really like to see it. Cole, you sound like you were about to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I would like that too, but I think it'd be the same thing as the WBC, like, why play it because we could get hurt type of thing. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, but I just – Which I'm not a big fan of them doing that because you can get hurt in literally any game you play. But I could see quite a few stars doing that, especially with it being the latter half of the season coming up, which is super important. So, what what if you surround it with like the actual MLB teams, not by country? It, what if you surround it by the MLB teams that way? Because you know these players that are out, they say they want to be with their team. Okay, here's a tournament with your team. Let's see what happens. I think that you need to incentivize them properly to make yes. them play it. Like you go into the MLB All Star Game. That used to matter because the winner got home field advantage in the World Series. They took that away. The NBA, that has there's no reason. The NFL Pro Bowl sucks ass. There's no reason to watch it. People don't care. They made it flag football this year, which is a little bit more interesting because last year was just people running around with pads on it. It looked like a JV high school football practice. It just was not good. I mean, they're making improvements, but a midsummer tournament I think won't be great. You cut the season down 40 games maybe. You play 120. It gives people a little bit more break middle of the week. Um, it makes games matter a little bit more because you look back, um, not this past year, but the year before, Dodgers-Giants. Dodgers still win over 105 games. They're a wild card team. It goes to show that a lot of games, like sometimes those games in May do matter because you need that one extra game over the over a team in your division. But I think you cut it down 120. Like it matters just a little bit more. You give them maybe a little bit longer of a break in uh, during the All-Star break. But I think this tournament, this might be kind of um, extravagant. I don't know. But I think you could do almost like a 30-team bracket play or you do like a maybe like a, a play-in game or you, a few play-in games and you have like best of three series or you have like playing game, playing game, and it's like the last 10 teams remaining or last eight teams remaining get a playing game. But then you do what the team from the NL and the team from the AL play. You don't have to play each other in the championship. I mean, you can do that. And then whoever whatever league wins gets home field advantage in the World Series. But I think that you could do seeding off of it. Say, like, the NL Central, the Cardinals win the, uh, the NL. The NL Central gets the one seed in the playoffs. Mm. I mean, that might be a little extreme, but it really gives you something to play for. It's not just like, oh, guys, let's play some extra baseball just so we can get people to watch. If it's just a tournament and there's no prize, I, I think you run into the same problem then. Mm. It's not competitive. People don't care. Fans don't care. The, pro- the one thing with what you, suge- what you just suggested is how long would that take, though, to do all of that? Because that sounds like quite a while. I, I think it probably wouldn't last more than a month. I Like, I wouldn't stretch it out longer than it needs to be. Because then you get into that, oh, the regular season. We're just drawing it out for no reason. I mean, you got to think. You have 30 teams. You do some playing games to get into – you playing games to get 16 teams. Then after that, say you do say you do a series for the final four. So you do a playing game to get to uh, the 16 teams for the first round. You do a one-round game. For the 16, you do a one-round game for eight teams, and then you have four teams remaining. You do best of three series for both games. I think that you could realistically get that done 
two weeks, two and a half weeks. Because, I mean, you got to think. You start on, like, a Monday. You do half the playing games one day, half the playing games the next. And then it's like you stagger, like, the March Madness. You do half the playing games, and then those playing games that uh, are the teams that played two days ago, now you play your first-round game in the round of in the round of 16. And then the same thing happens. It's like you get a, a one-day break in between games. You're playing, and the, the, you get maybe – there might not be, like, as big of a weekend break like March Madness, but – Maybe you get an extra three days off in between, like, the round of 16, round of 8. And then you get into the final four, you play two of three. You have, like, game, day off, game, game. And it gives you a little bit of a break in between the series, but you're also playing it quick enough. And then maybe even at the end of it, kind of like a – it makes me think of, like a, like, a baseball party at the end of the year for your team, like, whenever you played when you were younger. But it's almost like after the tournament's over, you have your all-star game. You have, like, right after – maybe, like, day of the championship, you have – Kind of like the All-Star game. Like, you have All-Star weekend. You do championship game on Sunday. You've got, like, the home run derby. You've got the All-Star game on Saturday. Tournament championship Sunday. That's a good idea. Yeah. It just I think that could work. Yeah. I guess. Obviously, you know, if only. <laughs> but yeah. 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 We're, we're explaining this out. Might as well just send this episode to uh, the exactly. LB offices and Seriously. be like, hey, here you go. Here you go, Rob, man. Forget yeah. something, right? Yeah. yeah. But, like, every, I think every league that does a lot of games should have the, these mid-season tournaments because mm-hmm. i don't honestly you just have to find the incentive to make the players want to do it and care about it the fans are going to watch the mid-season tournament because of the mid-season tournament and i think i liked your all-star thing but i also wonder like if you just set it up where it was like a couple weeks whatever you do your tournament then give them the players a week off tell them go on vacation refresh yourself fans focus on something else for a week and then it's just like after I mean, it's just like for after the NBA All-Star break. I know everybody, like, as soon as those games, those first couple of games right after the All-Star break, everybody's ready for them because every, those teams got rejuiced. They're ready to go. It's time to start the opening stretch, and it's basically like for the beginning of the season again where you really care, you're really invested. So you have your big tournament, then you have a week off. Everybody wants baseball to come back after that week because everybody's ready to go see how the – if rivalries happen during that thing, any of that kind of stuff, that'd be great. Um but again, it's really hard to incentivize for players and stuff because you can't. Like, uh, I did like your idea. Whoever wins that division basically gets their team to have home field advantage, kind of thing. That'd be great. I think teams would care about that. But at the same time, some people are like, "Well, then what happens when you have one team that all season long went head over heels trying to win every single game? They're way above everybody else. Like they won their." the AL by, like, 20 games, 30 games, something like that. That's some ridiculous number. And then they don't get home field advantage after they worked so hard all season. So that's where, like, they're they're all great ideas, but it's so hard to make a fair incentive unless you just do money. But these guys make so much money, it doesn't matter. So you just have to find some sort of something that they'll want enough to really care enough to play because – the end of the day, if you just put one in for money, half the guys are going to sit out and be like, well, shoot, now I'm just going to rest. Exactly. If you put it in for money, you run into the same problem as, like, the NBA. For example, you get in the home run derby. You get money for winning the home run derby. You get money for winning the dunk contest. Like, Mac McClung won the dunk contest this year. Don't get me wrong. Mac McClung had some good dunks. But who the hell was like, you know what, guys? I want to watch a G Leaguer win an NBA All-Star competition this week. Like, you wanted to see some good dunks, you saw that, but you want to see, like, prime LeBron James. Like, man, I wonder what he could have done, and he never did it. You see the home run derby. You see guys that hit absolute moonshots. It's not as uh, big of a problem in the MLB, but, like, you got Pete Alonzo, who's on a rookie contract, playing to win an extra five hundred grand or a million dollars. Like, you put money in it, 
the players that are really good and you want to see in it, they're not going to care because they're already making the money they deserve. They're like, one extra $1 million, I can wipe my ass with that. Like, they, they don't care. I, um, what was I going to say? Back to the scheduling. I think that the NBA and the NHL, I, I don't really know how the NHL, like, the teams you play. I'm pretty sure you play every team in the NHL in the season. Yeah, right? so yeah. the way it works is that uh, you play the opposite conference, the teams in the opposite conference. You play them twice, once so at home, once at away. Okay. And then you play the teams in your division more, like, I think it's four times, two at home, two and away. And then the teams in your conference, but in the opposite division, you play them three times. And it alternates, like, one, like the season, like, Let's just say the this season the Kraken played two games at home and one game in away. So next year mm-hmm. the Blues will play two games at home and one away against the Kraken. That's how okay. the NBA is too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's which that's how like the seeding. That's yeah. how they make sure like with ties and stuff, the tiebreakers count against those other teams because yeah. you only play three against your same conference. That's what I thought. I I like that. I think you could cut it down a little bit more and maybe like enough that it's like you cut you cut it down third twenty nine games and you cut one game out from every team that you play. But the MLB, you have a season that's so long. But for what? You play teams in your conference. You play one other team in the opposite conference. Once they start introducing interleague play, I think it's going to be a little something where, like, teams you you don't really see. Like, you see, like, Dodgers Athletics. Like, you know the Dodgers are going to lay the smack down on the Athletics, like, especially this year because they're terrible. But you never see that matchup. And I think that you're playing 162. It's like, okay, time to play the Padres for the 35th game of the season. Like, at some point, it gets boring. Like, you want to see – like, even if you're a – like a, a Brewers fan, and you're like, you know what? I want to play the Yankees this year. Like, do you think you're going to win a series? Probably not. I mean, yeah, like both teams are good. Each team has like a pretty decent shot, but it's something that you just don't see. It's like you watch you watch your team play the Cubs, you watch your team play the Cardinals, play the uh, play the Pirates. Like you see all those games that you're just like, man, I'm getting kind of bored, and it's just the same repetitive thing over and over, and then it feels like the games don't matter. I think what the MLB needs to implement is what the NFL does with their scheduling. Like, you only play the teams in the other conference one every four years. And I think for the MLB, they need to do the same thing because, like, that would cut it down, like, a lot because you got to think, like, the Dodgers are going to be playing a team like, like you said, the Athletics. That could be a four-game, like, four-game series. You get rid of that. That's already four games down the drain, and you haven't even looked at the rest of the teams and the amount of, like, series that they have against the athletics yep i think that could be one way to do it and i think this year is a year where they can actually kind of test that maybe not like focus on like the cutting down games part but like see what these interleague games are going to do for you like you said the dodgers and athletics okay that series sucked like viewership was down like no one really cared Mm because like you guys said dodgers are probably going to sweep that series like don't get me wrong so i think that's where that can come into effect this year where they're, every team's playing each other. So I think you can finally see if, if if cutting down games is even on the table for the MLB, which we never know with the MLB. But I mean, I think once they get those numbers there, do I think that them cutting the season down in games is a realistic outcome? Probably no. not. Do I think that they might make some changes? Possibly. I mean, you're going to look at those the viewership on those games. Like I keep going back to Dodgers Athletics as an example, but I mean – you're going to look at that at that series like, okay, average Dodgers games, how many viewers do they have? How does that compare to the series? Average Athletics games, how many viewers do they have? How does that compare to that series? My guess is that they would meet in the middle. Athletics are going to get a little more viewers than normal. Dodgers might go down a little bit because some Dodgers fans are thinking it's the Athletics. We'll kill them. But 
you can also look at some of the underlying stuff. Like they they have metrics for for everything that I'm sure that we don't think of. It's like Tuesday game at 1 p.m. What's the average viewership? I mean, does it uh, depend on the teams playing in it? Yes, absolutely. You get like a big time team that plays on a at noon on a Wednesday. Like it's probably going to get more than if you put like Tigers Guardians at noon on a Tuesday. But I think that you you look at everything possible and then look to see how that benefits you. If you're getting Dodgers athletics to get more viewers than what you normally would from that start putting more interleague games in I think do they play like one series against every team uh it's at least that and I think Mm -hmm. because it's 162 games obviously they can't do like two series like the NHL or NBA would but I I think you know you have some series that they play one home one on the road yeah so I you could start doing that and make it maybe make it a little bit more even similar to what the NBA and the NHL do where it's like you play this many against um this meeting against team in your conference or in your division, this against the rest of the teams in your conference, and then this against the teams in the other league. Maybe if like if it comes down to an, an equal number of series, you go to like what Cole said. You go to the NFL, and it's like okay, we played two series against the AL Central this year, but next year we'll play three series against them and only two against the AL West. Like you, you, you have to stagger it that way, I mm-hmm. think, because then it just gives you the most amount of opportunities, and then. Maybe sometimes fans are like, oh, we haven't played the Angels in forever. Let me watch that game. But I think that getting rid of that is a plus. Or what you could do is like earlier you you made a little joke about like the Dodgers playing the Padres for the 35th time. Get rid of the like n- nine series. Like instead of playing nine series against your inter- like interdivision teams or interdivision opponents, make it like seven. And that cuts down – seven, eight games because it's going to be three or four game series. And then it's still like a lot of games because that's seven series. Like that would also be a very good, like a very effective way. Which I think that's what they were trying to aim for when they implemented playing every team is because you were right. You don't want to see them play the same team for 37 games. Like, so, I mean, I'm just really interested in how it works. So let me be this guy. So kind of a mix of everything we've talked about. So what if you did first – three-fourths of the season, you're playing your inner league people, however many series, however many games that needs to be. At some point, basically, after three-fourths, or maybe you do a little bit later, but you you basically you've only played your league for that entire time. Once you get to a certain point, you basically cut off where the playoff line was. So the teams that are in the playoffs are in the playoffs, and the teams that aren't, aren't. Does baseball have a lottery? Or did they just do worst team gets first pick in the draft? Uh, I think it's this, first team. No, this year was the first lottery really? ever okay. in MLB so, history. Okay. So, unfortunately, you just put in the lottery. You get rid of the lottery. What you do is one, one year success. Yeah. <laughs> but so the next whatever that small portion is, you basically pit all of the teams that are in the lower regions that didn't make the playoffs yet, even though the playoffs hasn't started. Those teams basically play a tournament among themselves, so interseason tournament, and then that determines your pick in the draft. The teams that are in the playoffs for that last section, then you get interconference play, but you play less games. So they get more rest, they get more days off, but they those games are going to matter because that's going to determine all of your seeding in the playoffs. So obviously you still have to, in the first three quarters of the season when you're playing your interleague, that's to get yourself in the playoff race. After that, you're playing only playoff teams from the other conference, and you're basically just trying to win as many as you can so you can get your seating correctly. 
That way you still get to see those other teams play other teams. It's less games because you cut off. Maybe you only play like three games a week during that series or that kind of time thing. So then you still get the interleague play. And then right after that's over, you just had an awesome – and maybe you do like a week of the like the interleague play and then the next week is a week of the tournament play for the draft kind of stuff. And then the next week you play another week of the intertournament play or you could stagger it day by day, that kind of stuff. But that's going to stimulate – a crap load of interest and then basically once that's over you got the playoffs right after you just watch the tournament of the worst teams to get the draft stock i've thought about that in terms of like the nba forever i thought they should always do two playoffs you have a playoffs that matters and you have a playoffs with the worst pick in the draft i that that's of course obviously that's never going to happen but i i, I like I, I like that idea for a lot of reasons i just kind of want to play with this idea because it, it is interesting but how are you going to reward like the team that missed the playoffs by one game by giving them the first round or the first pick overall like i, I want to see the best players in the college or amateur leagues going to teams that they can make a difference yeah. i hate watching like when andrew wiggins went to the Cavs. obviously he went to the timberwolves but then basically ruined a number one pick and then like he finally had his resurgence with the Warriors but completely ruined him or like Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars yeah obviously they're doing better now but the Urban Meyer situation everybody thought Trevor Lawrence was a piece of crap because he couldn't do anything on that crappy team I hate when the best player goes to the worst team now granted it's going to keep some teams down but play your butt off instead of it it relegates tanking to one degree that's so you can't tank anymore yeah I think that you have you have to stagger it. You can't be like, okay, if you lose your first game, you get the 14th pick. What they have to do, I think you still hold a lottery, but you still hold the tournament as well. So what you're going to do is you play the tournament out, you get the championship game, you get a third and fourth place game. Whoever wins the championship gets the first, loses in the championship gets the second. You win the third, you get the third pick. You lose in the fourth, you lose and get in the third and fourth place game, get fourth pick. After that, the remaining 10 teams, you run a lottery, then you can get run for the fifth pick because then it gives like it, it might reward teams for that just barely miss out on the playoffs but at the same time people construct their rosters differently you have the hornets that are absolutely terrible they're built to lose like they might have lamello ball so it's kind of enticing with like okay like we're going to be entertaining enough to watch but bad enough so that we lose so when we add a player like we should be solid because we've got two studs on our team or whatever but then you go like they're trading away players at the deadline just to make their team worse to lose more they're not going to do that they're going to be competing for every signing every game on like a wednesday night when they're playing a team they're like oh we have no business beating them who gives a shit let's just go out there and try to put on a show like this isn't the fucking flint tropics you're playing to win basketball games you're not playing to entertain people at halftime like i think that if you make if you make tanking just completely irrelevant teams every single game is going to start mattering and that's kind of if you and that kind of goes into how do you make the season interesting if you make all those games matter, maybe LeBron doesn't sit out that game on a Thursday night against the Pistons. Maybe he plays that game because, you know, my team needs this win. Like, you see those games, people start tuning in because instead of it, and even the MLB, you see that July game, people might tune that in. Like, okay, yeah, maybe this game in July, like, might not matter. It's not a huge deal, but, like, it matters more than it did. I, th- I also think this tournament would make, like, it completely more competitive because, like, with the athletics and baseball, they spent, what, $15 million, a y- like, a year in the offseason to, like, per- like construct a roster. Clearly, that team is going to be terrible. They're not going to be good enough to get that first pick. I don't know. Have you seen the movie Moneyball? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, like, that roster clearly is not constructed well enough to, like, win this tournament to get the first pick, which is the reason they only spent that much money was to be bad enough to get that first pick. Now, in the offseason, they'll be, like, enticed to spend $50 million I s- instead, I guess, 
to actually get like some sort of decent player and then help them win these games to get to that spot. I'm telling you, we just got to send this episode to the MLB front office. like All of them, honestly. Yeah. Adam Silver, Roger Goodell. What's that? Is it Gary Bettman? Gary Bettman, Gary yeah. Bettman, Rob Manfred, all of them. You know what? Just on their doorstep tomorrow. It'll be a nice little package. We can give them a fruit basket, whatever they want. We can give them like an edible arrangement. You know just what, making guys? sure it is March 22nd, 2023. So if they do this and they come out with this, like after a couple days, we did it first, so we want our money. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. bring me my money. Exactly. For real. Just pay off my tuition. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe a job would be nice. I can get like yeah. a there you job go. doing something. I don't know. I'd be I'd be cool with it. And the NHL, like, fuck, if like an NFL team's like, you know what? Here, why don't you come work in our entertainment office? You can sell tickets for us. <laughs> sure, I'd love to get paid to watch football. Yeah, like, I'd, it's a dream job. I'd love that. So, a little disclaimer: uh, this episode is going to be split into two. Episode two and episode two and a half. Uh, tried to upload it together, and the file size was too large. So, we're cutting this off here. We're going to post the second half of this as an episode two and a half. But uh, real quick, just want to let you guys know to follow all our socials, Crescent Magazine on Instagram. On Twitter, we're Crescent Magazine 1, C-R-E-S-C-E-N-T-M-A-G-A-Z-I-1, Crescent Magazine 1. And on Facebook, we're UE Crescent Magazine. Definitely follow the Instagram. We're super active on it, posting a lot. So if y'all would do that, really appreciate it. Peace.